So she's like, kill your darlings, but not maybe less of them. <laughs> Somebody's like, okay. going to take that voice clip out of context. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Bring it. And welcome to Can We Save the Cat, your favorite entertainment and writer's room podcast, where we get a few writers together, pitch an idea, and turn it into the next big TV show or movie. I'm one of your hosts, Danny Hanks, writer and director. I'm one of your hosts, best-selling award-winning author, Andrew J. Brandt. And I'm Hannah Morrissey, um, debut author of the book Hello, Transcriber, which just came out um, November 30th. Hannah is our very special guest joining us today. We are so excited to have her, and her book is absolutely incredible. If you haven't read it, go get it right now. Uh, it's really edge-of-your-seat stuff. You're going to want to devour it as quickly as you can. <laughs> yeah, I read through it um, right after the first of the year. I love how like scene-setting and atmospheric you are with Hello Transcriber. It's definitely reminiscent of, of Gillian Flynn when she's at, her, at the top of her game. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so for our listeners who may not have seen your book yet, do you want to give us the 30-second elevator pitch? Sure. I've been getting better at these. so um, No pressure. <laughs> yeah, actually, one really um, you know successful author who I was lucky enough to talk with, Hank Philippi Ryan, she said, don't worry about your elevator pitch. He's like, as soon as you get good at it, that's when you're ready to talk about something else. <laughs> but um, Hello Transcriber, it's like a mystery crime, crime fiction. A lot of people have um, been calling it like romantic suspense, which I find interesting. So, but it's Definitely a Midwestern noir um, about a, you know, a young female police transcriber named Hazel who ends up in Wisconsin's most crime-ridden city, and she ends up getting a job as a police transcriber. And you know, somebody at one point comes to her window and writes this message in the frost about how they hit a body, and the mystery hits closer to home than she would like. But she gets really engrossed in this investigation and engrossed with you know, the lead investigator and goes down a lot of routes she probably shouldn't, but, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, really striving to bring in that um, atmospheric element of this fictional crime-ridden place of Black Harbor and see what she's going to do with it. <laughs> right. So you said that you were a police transcriber. How much of the book would you say is autobiographical? Did you have the uh, mysterious guy confessing the murder and uh, your, <laughs> your handsome lieutenant? <laughs> Um, well, I do have the handsome lieutenant, I will say that. Um, but so, yeah, actually, Nikolai Cole is based very much off of my husband, um, who I who I met while I was police transcribing. Um, so it was elements like that, that I really that were kind of autobiographical. And I really wanted to explore just because I thought that was a unique perspective that I hadn't seen in books before of meeting people for the first time by their voice and not knowing many people by appearance. So yeah, the first time actually I met my husband was over police transcribing. But as far as, you know, somebody coming to my window and writing a creepy message in the frost, no, <laughs> but I did see a lot of stuff. 
it's very true, keep the blinds closed because people will walk up to your window. Um, sometimes people will knock on the window. That was scary, especially, you know, That's like creepy. midnight. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I saw, um, yeah, I was working at, you know, at the police department and you would see drug deals happen right across the street. Like I watched everything. <laughs> wow. Wow. You That's think insane. That people would do their drug deals away from the police department, right? <laughs> You'd think, I don't know, it was just, I don't know if they just felt comfortable enough or it's kind of hiding in plain sight, but it was better than TV. <laughs> so Hannah, are you from Wisconsin? I am, yeah. Um, I'm actually from like a really small town up north, so much like Hazel, which is where I was, I think when you come from a small town, you have, um, it's easy to get that feeling of not belonging somewhere or you definitely know when you're out of place. So, you know, feeling out of place can be very isolating, especially I moved about three hours south. So now I live maybe an hour from the Illinois border. And when I first moved down this way, everybody thought I was from Canada. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine from the accent for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd never gotten that before. It's just kind of even thinking about that for the book where, you know, people will remark or tease Hazel on the way she speaks. I thought that was something to explore just because if you already know that you're out of place and then the fact that you don't even sound like everybody else, that makes right. you even feel more out of place. <laughs> Hannah, let me ask you, when writing Hello Transcriber and just working as a novelist in general, who are some mm -hmm. of the other authors that inspire you and and kind of mold the kind of storyteller that you are? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think the the list of authors who I who do inspire me and who I aspire to be like grow every day because you're always finding new cool voices. But especially for writing Hello Transcriber, I really was in love with um, Gillian Flynn's writing as well as um, Tana French who's an Irish uh, novelist, and she writes The Dublin Murder Squad, which I absolutely love. So something about those two authors at that time, I really appreciated the way that they build a setting and make it like its own character. So yeah. I really, really wanted to create something that was atmospheric. And you'd mentioned uh, Hank Philippi Ryan earlier, too, mm -hmm. who's an absolute sweetheart. I've had the opportunity yeah. to talk with her a few times as She's well. She's awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, but like reading some of her work, some of her mystery work, kind of set in Boston, and the yeah. way that you set the atmosphere for Black Harbor, you know, a completely fictionalized place, mm -hmm. um, was definitely, it, it had tones of, of some of her work, you know, when, when she's oh. at the top of her game, yeah. Well, that's so kind of you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your process uh, in, in writing the novel and in writing in general? Where do you start and how do you walk through things? I also, if I'm being creepy, I see some photos on that back wall of yours. <laughs> Are those potential characters in the works? Yeah. I, actually, I think I know the answer to this one. Is that <laughs> is that the murder board? It is. Oh, my goodness. What is the murder board? <laughs> yeah, the murder board, I guess, is my process. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, yeah, like a big part of my process is I like to start with a character first. That's just, I don't know, that's just the way it's always been for me. But I start with a character, someone who's interesting to me, and then just kind of builds them up. And then I start building the people who they might interact with and then, you know, dropping them into a setting that's going to force them to do things outside of their comfort zone. But 
yeah, the murder board is huge for me um, because it lets me see all of my characters in one place. And then I kind of just start by asking each one, usually like a set of four questions of what do you want most? What's stopping you from getting it? And what are you afraid of? And what's like a quirk, something interesting about them that makes them memorable. So that's really where it starts. And then I just, the plot comes second for me. <laughs> I don't know if people can tell that or not. I hope not, but. <laughs> Honestly, sounds a lot like TV writing insofar as like, you know, the characters are really what's pulling us through the story. And, and reading right. the book, that was really obvious. You know, the characters were crystal clear and it makes complete sense that, you know, they in some ways were real people because they felt like such real people to me. Oh, thank you. I don't know. I mean, I definitely strive to make imperfect but real characters because, you know, mm -hmm. real people aren't perfect. And sometimes characters don't make the decisions that you want them to, but that's because they should feel real. So... I guess, you know, I kind of look at them like I write, I write books, not moral codes. I'm not telling people how to live or like you should emulate this character. Like that's just the character I came up with. These are the situations I got put in and that's the story. <laughs> Have you killed off a character that was a surprise to you? Like, oh man. <laughs> Sudden murder from the murder board. Sudden murder. That's a good question. In Hello Transcriber... No, nobody was a surprise to me. I mean, there were a lot of surprises, but not not killing someone I hadn't planned on. <laughs> when I'm pitching a book to my um, editor, I, I'll want to kill more people than she'll want me to. <laughs> so kind of riff on that, and we were talking a little bit about the creative process and working with management and people who are there to rein you in, help you kill your darlings, but not too many of your darlings. <laughs> yeah. um, what are some of the things about writing that you enjoy? And how about maybe st some stuff that you dislike? You know, for me, it's sitting down to write pages. <laughs> oh, that, always that's... The, the physical writing is the worst, isn't oh, it? So it's like all of it. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. But before and, you answer that, Hannah, I have yeah. to do tell you that, Danny, that was almost verbatim the exact question I was about to ask. <laughs> that is so funny. We're on the same wavelength. That's us. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing is just somebody being able to identify something that I didn't think of. Because um, I think sometimes when we write, you think about it and you're you're really in a very enclosed space. Like your mind is vast, but it's not infinite. So to be able to tap into somebody else's ideas or because sometimes it's just the smallest thing somebody says that puts you in a whole new direction that you didn't consider. So like my agent is wonderful for that. Um, anytime if, if I need to bounce something off or something's not quite working, she'll be like, what if, like, what if are the, the best words anybody can say to me? I love what if. And same with my editor. She'll, she, she can be very like point blank, which I love because she doesn't waste time. So she's like, that's not working. That's not working. That's not working. So, hey, just call me out on it. Like, I want to know if it's not working, I'll find a way. So I, I do I do appreciate the other ideas that people can bring to the table. And of course, their expertise and just knowing like what's hot in the market now and what isn't like maybe don't write a book about that right now. Save that. Um, so I appreciate that. But sometimes maybe it's a double edged sword because maybe that's what you don't love about working with other writing professionals in that industry is it's not not having that complete freedom to explore an idea that you are thinking about that could work so 
But I, I did come to that in my second book and, you know, my editor and I kind of had a polite tete-a-tete um, where she was like, don't do that, consider this. And I did, I considered it for a whole weekend and I drove myself nuts. And I finally, I had to write the scariest email ever to her of like, I don't want to do that. And that's not the kind of book that I want to write. And she came to me and she was like, I respect that. So you can do it your way. <laughs> well, that's super so some, cool yeah. that you have an, an editor who, I mean, obviously the, the goal is to put out the best product possible, mm-hmm. but I just know me as a writer uh, in working with uh, you know my editor that if my soul isn't in it, it's not going to be good. I'm not going to be able to, to write it correctly. Right. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think some it's good to go down those other pathways because, I, gosh, I can't imagine, like, just as writers, when you get to one solid book or one, you know, condensed book, how many ideas you left out of it or how many right. of those darlings got killed that didn't make it to the final page and what that book could have been otherwise. But, and even for me, I... Sometimes we'll go down the wrong path of like, hey, it's this guy who's the bad guy or whatever. And I'll go down that path for months sometimes. And then when you realize that this isn't going to work, I don't even consider that wasted time because I'm like, I had to explore it. And now your writing's going to be even better and more convincing when you're trying to convince people that, you know, there's a red herring or something. So it's never wasted time. Can you tell us what kind of project you're currently working on? Sure. So I'm working on, so um, Hello Transcriber is actually one in a series, but it's not an official series, I guess, in the sense that you don't have to have read Hello Transcriber to read the other books. I think it makes it better, like it enhances it because there are characters who come back. So if you know a little bit more about them, I think it's more fun, but you don't have to read them in order. So I'm actually working on the third um, book in the Black Harbor series, and it's called Dead Ringer, and it's about a medical examiner who um, follows this trail of morbid clues to find her daughter who goes missing. Ooh, I like that. Oh, wow. So sort of sticking in the same vein of, you know, uh, around the police department, but not just using, you know, detectives and police as characters. I like that a lot. Cool. Cool. When when writing different characters like that, I mean, how much research goes into those job roles? Oh, so much. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only imagine. <laughs> that's why, like, Hello Transcriber was, you know, very much write what you know, because I knew a lot about transcribing. So I'm like, I'm right here. Not a lot of people know about this job. I can bring something interesting to the page. And I think it's those little details that only you know or only somebody in that job knows that make it really realistic. So I, oh man, I think I drove my husband nuts this weekend just asking him question after question because I'm always asking him about police <laughs> stuff. And, it, you know, I've been up since five. It's like eight o'clock on Saturday and he gets up and I'm bombarding him with these questions. He's like, oh my God, Hannah, I just woke up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I've been up for three hours and I've been waiting for you to get up. But um, for a medical examiner, it's, Sometimes I write myself into corners, but I just know that if I want to write about that profession, I just have to go make a friend in that profession. So I went and made a friend with a medical examiner and we go out for cocktails once in a while or I text her and she shows me pictures and answers all my weird questions. And 
Yeah. So you just got to make friends with everybody. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And let's be real, though. Everybody wants to be friends with the writer. Oh, I thought you were going to say everyone wants to be friends with the medical examiner. (laughs) I I think so. Who are your friends? Yeah, I like to think people like to be friends with the writers, but who knows? (laughs) I'm like, I'm kind of just like a parasite. Just give me all your information. (laughs) Yep. I'm totally the same way. I think it's Andrew Sean Greer who says, you read like Dracula and you write like Frankenstein. So you just suck in all this information oh, and yeah. build it together. <laughs> and you put it all together. Yeah. That's very that true. A lot of sense. <laughs> Speaking of ideas, we were we were told that you might be bringing us something to kind of work on. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, so whenever you're ready, we are excited to hear it. Oh man, this was just an idea I thought of like a long time ago and I was like, you know when you... Because a lot of times, if it's someone's birthday or whatever, you'll get them a card and maybe throw like a lottery ticket in it. But then I think, what if you bought your friend a birthday card with a lottery ticket and she won and she didn't give you any money? And then I just started thinking, because she doesn't really owe you any money because that's her present. Right. It's a gift. Yeah. But I'm like, that would raise a lot of questions. And like, I don't know if a friendship could really survive that. So then I guess I kind of think about that premise and just wonder, you know, you have to obviously explore the relationship of these two characters, but then what is it about the main character that either she thinks she's owed that money or somebody else thinks she's owed a cut of the money or how is their friendship going to survive this or not survive this? So that was literally just the premise that I had. I like that a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like there are so many different ways that you could go with it because you could go a really relationship oriented, like, you know, of course I'm I'm in the world of film, so I'm thinking like a movie, but For this sure. relationship between these two women and kind of how it pans out, or maybe they're sisters, you know, maybe they're family, what have you. Or you could go the murder mystery route, you could go the thriller route of, you know, this person is trying to rob the other of all of this money i mean i feel like there's yeah. just so many options from that yeah i don't like i like to envision my characters too oh that's the murder board so I like to see <laughs> pictures of what they look like and i was just thinking of um I like Kristen wig and maya rudolph like from bridesmaids so oh something amazing. that would be kind of like funny you know yeah, yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. A Kristen Wiig character and a Maya Rudolph character and just having this hilarious... So who do you think is the one who um, who gives the present and who's the one who wins the money? I think Maya Rudolph wins the money and Kristen Wiig <laughs> gives the present. <laughs> oh, feel bad for Kristen Wiig. She's like always getting the short end of the stick here with bridesmaids yeah. and everything. Now I know. She didn't win the money. But she's so funny oh. as that kind of character. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like she... Her life just always unravels in hilarious ways, and it's just like the way that she responds to it. So I feel like she'd be the perfect person for that. But then I think if she were to give her friend a lottery ticket, because I mean, think about it a lottery ticket or whatever is not very expensive. So it's a pretty inexpensive gift to give to somebody. Right. So maybe she doesn't have a lot of money herself to get her friend a more expensive present. And her friend is probably already doing well enough on her own that, you know, this Kristen Wiig character is going to be like, well, she doesn't really need the money like as much as I do. And 
oh my gosh, I got the shaft from the universe yet again and probably has a whole bunch of debt to pay off. So. <laughs> yeah, it even, it even like thinking of the relationship between two th- those two people as even people and actors, it almost seems like I could totally buy that, you know, Kristen Wiig would buy somebody a lottery ticket as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some inside joke, something that, it isn't even about the lottery ticket. It's like, oh, it had unicorns on it and you love unicorns and I right. can't get you anything better, right? Because I don't have the money. And then it ends yeah. up being the accidental million dollar ticket. Truly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you think too, like lottery tickets have numbers on them. So maybe those numbers had significance to those two characters. Yeah. So then you can unpack the numbers and what do those mean? Oh. Are we thinking like a scratcher or like a... I don't know, like a scratch off or a powerball or powerball. I, I don't yeah. know much about playing the lottery. I know that there are scratchers and I know that there are uh things that come out of of machines that have the numbers printed on them. Yeah. 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 I don't know a lot about them either. <laughs> <laughs> we are the most exciting people to oh, spend man. time with on a Friday yes. night. <laughs> We're a PG bunch. <laughs> I mean it would actually be kind of like like for my birthday, you know, this this character, she opens up a birthday card and it's got just a $1 scratch-off ticket in it. And it's like, you know, the Kristen Wiig character, like, that's the last. That's I mean, she's got $7.14 in her checking account. Uh-huh. And she wanted to give her friend something. So she yeah. gives her this new card with a $1 scratch-off in it, and it's the million-dollar winner. Right. And you know what? I can even see, like, I can even visualize the Kristen Wiig character being kind of like she is in Bridesmaids, like a total hot mess. Yeah. Where, you know, she's on her way to her friend's birthday party. She stops in a 7-Eleven. She's, like, trying to figure out what she's going to get for mm-hmm. her. And then, you know, buys this $1 scratcher because it's the color or it was made in your hometown or something just so small and minuscule that she's trying to make a personal thing to be like oh this is a personal gift when really <laughs> she just doesn't have the money you know she goes right. to the atm to try to draw out money there's no money in her account mm-hmm. well yeah, and that, so, i think that's interesting because you can really play off like what is this character hiding kind of like you know not that it would be that same genre but sort of like girl on the train you know where she's sort of hiding the fact that she lost her job and she's just riding the train to work. And, you know, so maybe, you know, perhaps this Kristen Wiig character was kind of putting on a ruse all this time and she can't come out and say that she needs the money because people think she's doing well. So maybe she is, you know, the hot mess express, but kind of incognito. Oh, she's a social yeah. media influencer. So everybody thinks she's oh, like yeah. super oh, yeah. famous. Yeah. But... Money. Yes. Like when people do the fake sets with, like they're on the airplane and it's really like a, yes. a, the a toilet, toilet seat. seat. Yeah. <laughs> It'd actually be really oh, funny, like a yeah. scene in her apartment and you yeah. see like the toilet seat, like just sitting there. Yeah. Like you, that would be very relevant, I think, you know, if today. you And if you know that she's a social media influencer and you see this little just toilet seat kind of hanging out okay, back so there. Yeah. What is the toilet seat? Is that because that looks like the window? It looks yeah. like the airplane window. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I could definitely see... The resolution, at least after after everything, is this heartfelt moment between Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig where Maya's like, you could have just told me that you needed the money. Like this very funny, like, but very heartfelt, you know, and she's like, well, I couldn't, couldn't say anything in front of everybody or something like that. Yeah. I didn't want you to think I was a failure. Right. Yeah. You know, especially I do think that age plays into this stuff as well. I don't think it's like a mistake that you picked actors that aren't like in their early 20s like Mm -hmm. these are actors that quote unquote 
at their age should have money. Right. Um, which we can play with the societal standards mm -hmm. and, and judgment of that. Yeah. And then you have to wonder at the end, is the money even there at the end? Like, did something no. happen to it? Did the Maya Rudolph character somehow lose the money? There was some technicality and she didn't get it. Yeah, she, uh, she owed back taxes and the, I yeah. and the IRS just took it all. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then. Or since she didn't need it, she just never cashed it. And then <laughs> part of the movie is a wild goose chase of, oh my God, where is it in my apartment? <laughs> and it turns out that, you know, her little cousin or whatever took it and scratched everything off and they find her like in the climax of the movie they're looking for this ticket they're looking for it and they see her in the living room just she and she's scratched off all of them oh my just god for fun devastating <laughs> i do like that and you've got uh, you could have a scene where Kristen wig like breaks into her friend's apartment and goes to look for it yeah and then what what else does she discover in the apartment while she's looking for the ticket you know i mean if it's bridesmaids, she discovers the sex toys. But if it's something <laughs> a little more serious. Murder mystery. She finds the body in the freezer. Yeah, I Whoa. guess it's pretty important. Why do we to always go body the in the freezer? <laughs> because I feel like, you know, if you're going to get rid of a body, you either got to put it in a freezer yeah. or feed it to the pigs or throw it into a mine. This is you true. Know? You want to know a fun? Um, no. <laughs> It's not fun, not fun, but like a transcribing story. It's so terrible. I have, yes. You know, we get yes. so morbid and yeah. It's a hard fun. yes. But sometimes you just kind of have to laugh at the environment or the job, whatever. There was a murder that happened. I mean, all these murders were happening like right down the block from me. Like you're just walking around and you're like, who's, who am I walking, like bumping elbows with? Who's a drug dealer and who's a murderer and whatever. But, um, Good Lord. Yeah, it's Whatever. insane. It's a melting pot. <laughs> but um, there was a murder that happened. And this guy, he did, like, kill. He killed a woman, like, strangled her with a, an electric fan cord. And the cops found her in, like, he put her in the freezer for a while. and As you do. Yeah. And then he put her in the freezer for, like, two days and then eventually rolled her up into a bedspread and had the neighbor help him put it in the dumpster. And when they searched like their computer, they found on his Google search, he didn't clear his Google search of how long can you freeze a dead body and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Google. Google gets people every time. Even I know you have to use incognito mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> incognito mode, not just for porn. <laughs> right. <laughs> Also for murders. <laughs> I feel like that's part of like what maybe maybe there's some way that we can work that into how Kristen Wiig finds things in the apartment. Mm -hmm. You can have all of the tropes of like you think she's going to find a murder. But what she really finds is all of this weird like Maya Rudolph has been trying to sleep with her boss or something. <laughs> And, like, she finds the, the messages, like, her boss, who she hates, and that just creates more conflict. Or, like, trying to sleep with her dad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She can find the, the, the Google search, like. Yeah. Or if you wanted to go dark, you could do, like, she finds a body in the fridge. Then it would be, like, dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. We're in a different genre now. No longer a fun <laughs> Christian Wade comedy. Movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> That reminds me of the, um, I don't know if you guys have read the books. Well, one comes out, the second one comes out February 1st, but um, 
Have you read Finley Donovan is Killing It by Elle Casamano? Oh my gosh, I love Finley Donovan. Yeah, I love me Elle. too. Yeah, she's yes. great. Yeah, I love, I just read, I read the second one a little bit ago. Did not disappoint. So as far as sequels go, it was really good. Yeah. So, but it the, kind of reminds me a little bit of that, like with that, the dark comedy. And, yeah, she's very humorous, know. but like, yeah, like talking about, I mean, th- th- there's not very many books I'm laughing while they're burying a body, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about like just things that you're like oh my god that probably would go through your head like yeah. you know and they're gonna bury the body and they're like don't wrap them up in a shower curtain because the, if the cops come to your house and they see that you don't have a shower curtain they know you did it <laughs> i'm like oh my god that's so true <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing i mean you could make a whole movie out of that for sure yeah <laughs> i hope they do like as she was saying i the hope finley, so the finley donovan books are hilarious all right, so back to our, uh, our our hypothetical movie here. It seems like we've sort of settled on a comedy, Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph. And uh, Kristen Wiig is a hot mess, to you know, sum it up into one little word. She goes and she gets her friend a scratcher ticket for her birthday, shows up. I'm assuming it's, it's kind of like Bridesmaids, like it's a girls' night party or something. And she's opening the presents in front of everybody, and it turns out to be a scratcher. And she's and all, like, all oh, the other presents are like high-quality nice. shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Super nice presents. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, like of a, course. a pair of Tiffany earrings and like. Oh, yeah. You know, Why and, like friends yeah. like that? <laughs> fancy shoes yeah. or like a spa day like oh you know i just i booked i booked the spa for both of us for an entire day like don't yeah. it was only six hundred dollars don't don't worry about it and Kristen Wiig um, shows up in her like joggers and big, yes yeah. hair hair all everywhere. over the place a neat, um, an nyu oversized sweater oh god if we i really love the idea that there's this like niece character or like Yes, like somebody's daughter. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Maya Rudolph's daughter, but like some little girl who is the pinnacle of like Upper East Side chic just in, <laughs> in like Gucci Prada clothing and like this really, this really fancy girl. Okay, so she gives her the scratcher. Haha, ha, all of this stuff. Do we think that she scratches it off at the party or after the party? Like maybe Kristen Wiig stays behind to like help her clean up because they're best friends and... You get some tension there, too. Like, you know, you were late again. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. I think she has to scratch it off at the party in front of everybody so everybody knows she won. Because then Chris and Wiggly can't hide it. Or, like, they can't have a private conversation. So before there's any time to process what happened, everybody knows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I think? It would be really fun to have, like, the party still going on, but... My Rudolph and Kristen Wiig are sneaking off to the kitchen to like clean up or something. They're they're moving the presents or something, and that's when My Rudolph is like, "Well, you're late again. You know, I thought you would be at least on time to my birthday." And at that point, she they're talking about the scratcher, and Kristen Wiig's like, "Have you ever done a scratcher? Like, they're so fun. You should do it." Um, and they they each you know pick a square to do. They scratch it off. My Rudolph is like, "Whatever," and then she finds out, "Oh my God, I won." And she runs out to the party and she's like, oh, my God, she just gave me a million dollars. I won. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the worst gift in the bunch turns into the best gift. But, of course, none of them have had a scratcher anymore. They don't even know how to redeem, like, how to get the money. So they all, oh, God, I can also see this scene of, like, a bunch of 
posh, like, upscale women have to go to this 7-Eleven. Because I think you have to go to the place where you bought the scratcher in order yeah. to, like, redeem it. Yeah. And they all, like, bust in there. <laughs> But if it's over a certain amount, like you have to, you have to contact the state lottery office. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And of course, the guy at the Seven Eleven like knows Kristen Wiig because it's like on her block <laughs> and they're friends, and she's like trying to like, hey, like not show that I, I don't know this guy. No. And he's like, hey, you want your 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 regular? She's like, I'm sorry, I don't. Um, no, no, you don't <laughs> speak what? I don't. Sorry. Speaking the English? Um, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's so fun i can imagine kristen wick doing the whole like have you seen this (laughs) um is it that i am mrs mrs iglesias (laughs) yes (laughs) so where do we go from there i guess is the fun and games of the movie kristen wig trying to steal the scratcher before she redeems it or is it maya rudolph getting all of this money and using it on things without Kristen Wiig. I feel like the second one, because that's going to be a true test of their friendship where imagine, you know, if you were in that situation and feeling conflicted about it and you're like, Oh my God, why, why couldn't I have kept it? Why, why did I have to give that one to her? And why did that have to be, you're going to be wishing that she didn't win, you know, because now you have all these complications, but it's, it's going to be in the news. It's going to be on TV. Yep. Like She's not going to be able to escape the fact that her friend won all this money. She's going to become an instant local celebrity. Yeah, I think like maybe even if it's just, maybe if it's 250 grand. Yeah. Because the, the things that come to mind is like, if Maya Rudolph is very frugal um, and it's something like 250 grand, she's going to immediately put that like into her daughter's college fund, mm-hmm. right? If she has this prissy daughter, it's going to be like, oh, this is going away. It doesn't even exist anymore um and the other thing is if she's getting really popular and Kristen Wiig is an influencer that's also part of the fun and games is she's like you know they come to her door and my Rudolph's like god they they keep coming here they keep trying to talk to me I keep trying to send them away and, and she's sitting there like no like and tries to kind of take up the spotlight yeah um, oh yeah I was the one who bought the scratcher you know, <laughs> oh whatever. yeah that's um, that's true yeah, I like yeah, that. In you order know, to get people to follow her Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I kind of forgot that she was an influencer. So that complicates things too, because not only does Maya Rudolph have all the money that Kristen Wiig is pretending to have, or you know, but she now has the attention that Kristen Wiig wants. Oh God, this might be this might be too much. But like, what if like the midpoint of the movie is that her like prissy daughter, because of all of the news and everything around it she's her prissy daughter has become like a model and (laughs) she almost hires her friend to be her daughter's instagram manager Mm -hmm. and that could that could cause a lot more tension because Mm -hmm. then it's like she has to help her friend and it's not like you know if you're asking somebody for a favor she doesn't she doesn't know how big of a favor she's asking kristen Mm -hmm. wake for you know, you're like, oh, can you just help my daughter with her Instagram account? Meanwhile, this girl has millions of followers. And it's mm-hmm. like, I can't even get that many. I think it could be something interesting to throw in there, too, about if you lend somebody money, like say you lend them $1,000 or something, and they take forever to pay you back, and they're not paying you back. And now you see them, they bought new shoes, and they got an upgraded phone, and they went on vacation. And you're like, you did all this stuff, and you couldn't pay me my money back. So... 
What if Kristen Wiig did give Maya Rudolph a loan one time for something pretty small, like 200 bucks? And she's yep. like, you want $250,000 and you can't pay me my $200? I actually really love that as a almost as our all is lost moment, like when, when they get into this big fight, because I think yeah. that, especially in a lot of, a lot of friendships leads to big fights, because I think what we'll see over the course of the movie is probably Kristen Wiig kind of subtly trying to take advantage of Maya Rudolph now that she has this money. But then when the shit hits the fan, I guess she's saying, you know, I want my $200 and Maya Rudolph is like, well, I paid for your sushi last week and what about when we went to Iceland and we did a trip together and I paid for the hotel and you never paid me back? And it's like, now you're going to harp on me for $200. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another big question character-wise for the Kristen Wiig character is what specifically does she need the money for? And the deadline can just be rent, but we definitely need some kind of ticking clock. So that when we get to the big breaking point, like if, that's... If I don't have three months by the end of the month, you're out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of wonder too, what if it's, you know, think about uh, like New York, like people buy their apartments a lot of times. So what yeah. if this apartment's been in the family for, you know, a general, like what if it was her late aunt's apartment and she can't lose this apartment? And that's maybe part of why she's able to look so rich on social media is because yeah. she has this great apartment that's been in the family and she kind yeah. of inherited it. And now, like Andrew said, if she doesn't come up with the money in like three months, she's going to lose the place. Yeah. I love that, especially because that gives some kind of explanation as to why she's in this friend group. That is a lot of right. people who are well mm-hmm. off, especially yeah. if it's like in New York city, that makes a lot of sense. So she needs, she needs this rent. We kind of have this, happening and we have this dynamic where it's like this i don't think the daughter necessarily needs to be a big part of the movie but it's it's a punch in the gut you know it continues to be uh yeah it's just hitting down on her one of the other just several nails you know into the right so yeah well and i think too that's that's kind of another you know the daughter is because assuming the kristen way character doesn't have any children the daughter is like another thing that she doesn't have that Maya Rudolph does. So you can like create layers of tension that way too. Yeah. So I think something has to happen with the kids Instagram that the mother doesn't like. And Kristen Wiig is trying to get, you know, her to pay her back her loan. It turns into this big fight. She ends up going home. Um, It's the end of the month. She can't pay the money. um, And they serve her with like an eviction notice. Um, or, you know, they turn her lights off or whatever it is. Oh, mm-hmm. She goes um, home and <laughs> flicks the light and nothing Sad. happens. Sad. Nothing, nothing <laughs> happens on. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that, that makes, she like opens the fridge and like everything's rotting. Aww. Yeah. It's like the can of who hash and the Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I guess the question is, how do we get out of that? Like, what's our resolution? We know that we're going to have something to bring them together. You know, I think you were talking about the daughter or something like happening with her Instagram. So like she gets a um a contract from a big modeling firm and it's worth, you know, a ton of money and Kristen Wiig, if she can act as her agent, she gets a, a cut of that. And the mom's mm-hmm, like, yeah. "No, no, I don't want her, you know, she should be in LA all the time and I want that." Like and Kristen Wiig, oh, it's a, it's a huge opportunity for her. It's like for me too and 
and the mom declines it. Yeah. Because what you could do is that could be part of what brings them together, too, Mm -hmm. is that, like, they get this fight, they book this commercial, or even she, like, books it behind her back, and it turns out the commercial needed her to be with her mom, and Kristen Wiig was just going to be like, oh, I'll just pretend to be her mom for the commercial. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of what leads to the big fight. She's like, I can't believe you've done this, and the check comes in, and she, like, rips the check up right in front of Kristen Wiig. She goes home, drinks melted ice cream out of her freezer the next day it's like Maya Rudolph is going to show up to be at the commercial and she's like basically like I can't do this and Kristen Wiig shows up and it's like I'll do it something along those lines like something that puts them in the same place yeah I kind of I liked where Andrew was going about with like Kristen Wiig possibly becoming her agent because then it's kind of the her agent or her manager like yeah like because she's not getting handouts anymore so kind of that idea of teach a man to fish you're like yep. you know give a man officially for a day teach a man to fish so she'll finally be like making her own real money and yeah. you know at that point where she like hits rock bottom and her lights go out and everything that would be when you know my rudolph's daughter gets like this modeling contract or whatever so maybe we make her a little bit older so she's you know not 14 like, 15 yeah 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 and you know she gets this kind of big opportunity and you know, she wants to hire Kristen Wiig to be like her manager because they are super close and she wouldn't really want anybody else. Plus, like Kristen Wiig has the experience being a social media influencer. She does know a little bit about the industry. And then if you think about it, none of this would have come to be if she hadn't got her that lottery ticket. So it would kind of like come full circle. That was going to be my question is, is are we straying too far from the lottery ticket? So yeah. I guess I'm wondering, how can we loop it back around to, like, Kristen Wiig, in a sense, has to swallow her pride and, like, ask for money? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I think the resolution is, I'm not going to give you the money for your rent. I am going to front you the loan for you to start your own modeling management business. And mm-hmm. so, like, at the end, we see that Kristen Wiig has transitioned away from being trying to still be in front of the camera, in front of the influencer thing herself, where she's taking a a step back and she's helping other people follow Mm -hmm. those dreams and she's getting real real money for it and getting paid and she's an actual manager for that stuff now. Yeah, I like like all of that idea. Also, maybe in between there, I don't think it would be such a bad thing for like Maya Rudolph to, yes, come in and save the day and like pay the rent that she needs to keep her yeah. place and keep the lights, you know, maybe she's sitting there and then all of a sudden the lights do come back on. And then like Maya Rudolph comes in and she oh, she's says, in the doorway, you know, yeah. And then it's, <laughs> maybe it's, it's her $200 plus interest. So maybe she's paying her back like the $200 that she loaned her because and maybe you don't know for the longest time what she loaned her the $200 or whatever for. And then you realize that it did make a big impact in her life. And now yeah, she's like, like, I'm going to pay you payment for her apartment. Yeah. And she's like, now I'm going to pay you that plus interest. So it's going to cover what kind of. Um, so another concept, and I love that as a resolution. Um, this is more just the first part of the resolution, I guess. This might be bad version, but stick with me here. <laughs> Since it is a comedy. What if like the daughter is like 17, 18, whatever. And Maya Rudolph is like, no, like, we're not going to go to this modeling gig, like, rips up the contract or whatever. 
and like Kristen Wiig shows up to the modeling gig and tries to pass her off, <laughs> pass herself off as the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like ends up like they they end up having to like kick her out of the commercial and like call Maya Rudolph to be like this person is like trying to you know impersonate your child. Yes. That would be and funny. And then she's like sitting in in her apartment the lights turn on Maya Rudolph comes into the doorway. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. That's 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 hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I think we I think we have a film. Yeah. I, think I like we have it. it. Yeah. I like this much you guys, I've been stewing on this idea for years. <laughs> and now it's something. <laughs> All right. Well, I am going to step away for a hot second to write the log line, and we will be right back. All right. Who is ready to save some cats? Wait, let me see your shirt. (laughs) Oh, my God. You always have the best shirts. Thanks. Yeah, I get them from BoardwalkTshirts.com. BoardwalkTshirts.com? Yeah, it's my favorite place to get graphic tees. They're so fun, they're super comfy, and the best part is they support great causes too. Yeah, I'm on their website now. They look great. I want the doom and gloom sweater and the Oxford comma shirt. (laughs) Oh my god, the right drunk edit sober. I need it. Okay, okay, slow down. Before you check out, be sure and use the code CAT and save 10% on your order. Oh, nice. Heck yeah, I'm going to get as many shirts as I can. (laughs) If you want high-quality but affordable products with a cause, go to BoardwalkTshirts.com and use the code CAT for 10% off your purchase. That's www.boredtshirts.com, promo code CAT. I need these shirts. And welcome back to Can We Save the Cat? Danny has us a log line. Lucky break. When a down-on-her-luck hot mess living on the Upper East Side gifts her well-off best friend a winning lottery ticket, she tries to get a cut of the cash she thinks she's entitled to. All right, we're going to go around the room and see if we save the cat or scratch it. Let's start with you, Andrew. And we save this one. (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm also going to save this one. I think it's a lot of fun. I think you can see it immediately. Yep. Sounds totally like a thing that Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph would be into. Uh, and I think, you know, the three of us should get together and write it tomorrow. But yeah. the big question <laughs> is, Hannah, do you save your own idea or do you scratch it? Yeah, I save this. I like it. Yeah. You know, you know what actually I love about it and, and it's something that could change you through subsequent drafts is... It's it's a story about friendship. It's it's humorous, and there was not a single word about romance, right? Nobody's trying to take yep. over somebody's boyfriend or anything True. like that. I mean, it's yeah. just a fun, hilarious friend story. Yeah, I think yeah, it's important to explore different kinds of relationships other than just you know romantic relationships yep. all the time. I think a lot of times you know readers do want some sort of rom- romantic element, but you can always have sort of a secondary or supporting character who's in there yeah um but like i said 
Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig's dad. Yeah. <laughs> or we could go Maya Rudolph and the 7-Eleven guy. There, no, there you go. It's oh, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig is actually sleeping with the 7-Eleven guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't hate that. I kind of like that. <laughs> That's a good one. Cool. Oh, man. He's her Instagram boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have three saves for Lucky Break. Let's go ahead and go around the room. And we'll talk a little bit about what we're watching this week. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I am going to go a little bit off script and instead talk about what I'm listening to this week because I'm listening to another podcast that I got hooked on. That's a lot of fun. Um, It's called Swindled. And every episode is a basically con artist. Uh, It's about like an hour long each. It's a con artist. And it's somebody giving a report on like how they swindled people out of money out of love out of their lives in the sense in the case of some like medical instruments etc but uh i really highly recommend it it's called swindled andrew what have you been watching this week you know me (laughs) (laughs) i have been not watching anything (laughs) (laughs) i've been reading uh andrew sean greer's pulitzer prize winning novel less It is about a homosexual author who is turning 50 years old. His much younger ex-boyfriend is getting married. He's been invited to the wedding. And instead of going to the wedding, he accepts every single, like, award nomination, um, like, event that he's ever been invited to. And so he spends, like, six months traveling the world instead. I read that one. I did like it. (laughs) Yeah, you read that one? Yeah. (laughs) It was good. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Hannah, have you been watching anything exciting this week? Or I guess, you know, reading or listening to anything is fair game this episode. <laughs> um, I, when I, I'm trying to be more intentional about what kind of TV I watch too, because I'm like, that can help give me ideas. But I, I pretty much watch junk TV when I watch TV. Same. Yeah. I, I just want to watch 90 Day Fiance. Like 90 Day Fiance, Darcy and Stacy, just give me TLC and a bowl of (laughs) M&M's. That's all I want to (laughs) do. I highly recommend, I recommended this to Brian last week. Um, The TV show Married at First Sight. Yeah. But the Australian version. Oh, okay. The American version is too wholesome. The Australian version, they really don't care. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I did watch the American version. I got a little bit bored, I have to say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, the Australian one, top-notch oh, drama. okay. True. Love it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, yeah, what have you been watching or, or reading, if you've, if you've been reading anything exciting recently? Me? Yeah. Oh, no, I only <laughs> watch... Or I yeah. just put Trash TV. Oh, yeah, I just trash watched TV. 90 Day Fiance. Um, yeah, I don't really... I mean, hey. Yeah, I don't works. really watch... Yep. Don't really watch a lot. What am I reading right now? Oh, I'm reading The Gracier by Kim Liggett. It's uh, it's funny. I I got the book for my friend's daughter. She's a huge reader. And I got it for her daughter for her birthday this summer. And she lent it back to me. And <laughs> she's, like, she's like, you have to read it. It's so good. So every time I see her, she's like, did you read The Gracier yet? And I'm like, I find, I'm finally reading it. And it's really good. It's like a dystopian young adult book which I don't read a lot of young adult but I do love dystopian and it's good to it's good to leave the thriller genre for a little bit sometimes yeah (laughs) yeah amazing yeah so we have three saves for lucky break and we've been 
listening to slash watching slash reading <laughs> the podcast Swindled, Less by Andrew Sean Greer, and The Grace Year by Kim Wiggett, as well as 90 Day Fiance, a classic. <laughs> yes. A classic, I must say. A must watch. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm a total, like, whenever I do watch TV, it's Bravo. It's all, all Bravo oh, okay. all the time. Oh Real God. Housewives. Um, <laughs> so uh, good. The one on the boat. What's the, the, oh, the boat? Uh, yeah. Below deck. Yeah, my oh, husband man. watches that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. I, just wanna, I just want brain candy. I don't want to think when I watch TV. Yep. <laughs> I know, me too. I just like need it on in the background. I need drama in my life that's yes. not mine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Hannah, um, tell us where, you can f- where we can find Hello Transcriber as well as your new works coming up if you have anything in the works. Sure. Um Hello Transcriber is available at like pretty much any bookstore, Barnes and Noble, um a lot of independent bookstores and um like Amazon, pretty much everywhere. And um in the works I have actually the sequel, well not a sequel, but it's it's the second one in the series um to of Hello Transcriber. It's called The Widowmaker. And that will be coming out this fall. So that is about um, a photographer and a detective who team up to solve a 20-year-old cold case um, of a super rich guy in Black Harbor. So that's that one will be out this fall. And then I'm currently working on number three in the Black Harbor series, which is about the medical examiner trying to find her missing daughter. Super cool. Awesome. Thanks. And where can we find you online? Uh, I am. I like to hang out on Instagram. I'm on Hannah Morsey Writer on Instagram. I do have a Facebook author page that I check in. Uh, just Hannah Morsey Author. I'm not very creative with my handles. <laughs> and I'm afraid of Twitter. I don't do Twitter. <laughs> Maybe I will someday. I don't know. I'm like, there's a lot it's going on It's the wild west here. out there. It is, man. Yeah, I've been trying to do Twitter, but it's it's insane. Yeah, I'm like, at some point I do need to write so I can't spend too much time on <laughs> social media. But yeah, I like, I like Instagram a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at official Danny Hanks on Instagram and at Danny underscore Hanks on Twitter. And you can find me on all the social medias at Writer Brand. <laughs> and as always, you can find the podcast at Can We Save Pod. And we now have a page on Facebook. So join us there. And please leave us five stars, comment, subscribe, uh, especially giving us reviews. It really helps people to find us. And thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us. This was so fun. Like I said, three saves. <laughs> we made a great movie, guys. You know. We don't even need anybody else on this podcast. Just the three of us forever. Yeah, thank you guys. (laughs) This was super fun. (laughs) You know Brian's going to edit that part out, right? (laughs) He better not. (laughs) Brian, I'm listening. (laughs) Thank you so much, Hannah. This was so fun. Yeah, Yeah, no, thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me. This was this was awesome. This is my first. We're we're becoming like best friends. We're just hanging out all the time. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, we like to have writer friends. Writing writing is very solitary. So anytime we can hang out with other writers, it's cool. (laughs) Also, before we sign off, I have to comment. I love all the dinosaurs in the back. Oh, God, thank you. I'm like, I I looked at my screen. I'm like, oh, my God, you couldn't like hide your toys. (laughs) Do you have one right there, too? Um, Yes, this one. Yes. This is like a whole Jurassic Park sleeve. It's hard to see. It's so cool. Yeah, I think it, that is so cool. Yeah, this whole arm is dinosaurs. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I have a lot of them. 
They're everywhere. <laughs> I just bought one yesterday at Target. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. All right. Thank you all for listening and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, bye, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you.